A new year is full of surprises, but one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take care of orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Episode 1 of the Haunted Visions Podcast. We are dedicated to the stories of the paranormal, spine-chilling history, and adventures into the darkness of the unknown. So grab a flashlight, lock your doors, curl up under your blankets, and prepare to be scared. Hi everyone, and welcome to the Haunted Visions Podcast. My name's Brandy. And I'm Rachel. And we're going to start our episode off today uh, talking about the Cecil Hotel um, in Los Angeles, right? Oh yeah, it's very creepy. Very creepy. Um, this is our first podcast that we're doing together, so uh, bear with us a little bit. We're gonna we're gonna try some new things and um, let us know what you all like and don't like, and and we're gonna kind of take it from there. Sound good? That sounds great. All right. So, Rachel, tell me a little bit about the Cecil Hotel. When one thinks of Los Angeles, images of Hollywood celebrities, bustling businesses, and starstruck tourists flash across the mind. Aside from the random celebrity sightings and talented street performers, there lies a dark and haunting past. Not everything is glitz and glam. Some remnants of L.A.'s history are hidden in plain sight. One famous, or should I say maybe infamous, piece of dim history takes us to the Cecil Hotel. The Art Deco-style hotel was built in 1927 by renowned architect Lloyd Lester Smith. That's a horrible name. It is a terrible name. That poor guy. (laughs) The hotel was designed to attract tourists and traveling businessmen. And I'm thinking those businessmen probably got away for their families to, you know, seek other livelihood at the hotel. Mm -hmm. For the first few years of its existence, the hotel was a bright and shining jewel in the heart of downtown Los Angeles. Unfortunately, the Cecil's grandeur and beauty would not save it from the ravages of the Great Depression. And soon the Cecil would become just another sad facade along L.A.'s infamous Skid Row. I've seen that place. It's awful. Yeah. It's an awful, awful, <laughs> dirty, horrible place. Not the Cecil necessarily, but I've been to L.A. And oh, the Cecil looked really dirty, too. Yeah. We, <laughs> we traveled through Skid Row very quickly. Yeah. Yeah, it was, oh, it was awful. I oh, can't imagine living it's like just, that. I mean, it's, it's, so Skid Row is, you know, it's not immune to murder, rape, prostitution, drug activity, um, it's located in L.A.'s Industrial District, as you know. Mm. It's about 50 blocks in downtown L.A. It's early to, in its early days, due to the nearby railway lines, Skid Row and its many hotels became the temporary home for transients and the downtrodden throughout the 1900s. Hobos. Yeah, basically. 
Sweet. By the, ni- the mid-1900s, the homeless population was also on the rise. Homelessness is still a huge issue in L.A. today, but there are various organizations that are working to help get those in need off the streets. Over the years, the Cecil built a reputation of being a place that one could get a cheap room for a night or two. With the high level of drug trafficking, one was sure to find their favorite drugs sold right around the corner of the hotel. And that's convenient. <laughs> it is. It is convenient. I, you know, it's where I would go. Exactly. Many suffering souls would meet their demise within the walls of the hotel and even along the dark streets it sat upon. Countless victims of murder and suicide would end up being mentioned in multiple newspapers from the 1930s to present day. Which is surprising because usually the um, transient folks or, or people that are falling on hard times, the newspapers really don't have a whole lot of mention of exactly. those people. So. I think everyone just became enamored with you know the mystique of and the everything. Ch- yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and one of the most disturbing suicides was of Pauline Otten. Not sure if you've heard about this one yet, Brandy. Hit me. Pauline suffered from depression and the emotional turmoil that also comes along with an unhappy marriage. After having a fight with her estranged husband, she walked to the window of her ninth floor hotel room, opened it, looked down at the street with tears streaming down her face, and she jumped. Sure. To add more sorrow to an already tragic situation, Pauline landed on 65-year-old George Diani. Yeah, and both were killed. She on really impact. needs to. Look. She should have looked first. Yeah. That doesn't seem fair. I thought that that was tragic. And Pauline, that is tragic. Pauline was only twenty-seven, which Jeez. is you know a very young life taken really fast. You know, um, Pauline's tragic death was not the first of its kind to darken the halls of the Cecil. In nineteen fifty-four, Helen Gurney, she was aged fifty-five, jumped from the seventh floor to her death. Her body landed on the Grand Marquis. <laughs> Onlookers were mortified. Well, clearly, yeah. A few short years later, in 1962, Julia Moore, who was aged 50, jumped for her room on the 8th floor to her death on the sidewalk below. 35-year-old Robert Smith also committed suicide that same year by jumping from a 7th floor window. You know, at what point did these people figure it out and paint their windows shut or nail them shut or make it so the windows don't open? Right. I don't know if, if you ever pay attention when you're staying at, you know, a La Quinta or a Holiday Inn or something like that. The I'm windows pretty sure are shut. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can't open them, right? No, probably they, for this very reason. It's got to be. Uh, in 1975, a young, petite, Caucasian woman leapt to her death from a 12th floor window. But sadly, to this day, her identity is still a mystery because no friends or family came to claim the body, which is really depressing. That is sad. I would haunt the, you know, the hell out of that place probably, too, if no one came to claim me. Right. <laughs> Gloomily, many other various stories of suicide plagued the Cecil's past. In 1934, Army Sergeant Louis D. Borden took a straight razor to his throat and ended his life. That's commitment. Yeah, I don't think I could go out that way. I no. just, ugh. A maid discovered his blood-covered corpse and, and a note that expressed he was ill and could not go on living a life of misery. I think I'd find a little easier way to do that, though. Ugh. Right. Earlier in 1931, 46-year-old W.K. Norton checked into the Cecil but never checked out. Several days later, his body was also found by a maid. These poor maids. I know. <laughs> They've got a... I would quit after the first one. Um, Why would you take that job? You know you're going to find some dead bodies. I, she must have a really good psychiatrist. Jeez. <laughs> it was discovered that Norton had killed himself by ingesting poison capsules. So I'm... It didn't say anything about it specifically, but I'm assuming it must have been cyanide, which yeah. I've heard is a very, very painful, painful death. You'd probably order it online. <laughs> These days. He did not leave a note or any evidence as to why he decided to take his life, though. Just a few short months later, 
Benjamin Dodick, aged only 28, was found dead by another hotel maid. And the cause of death was a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. I wonder if those maids get workers' comp for, like, all the emotional turmoil Some, and distress. Something. Like, it's seriously. just awful. Yeah, no. I bet you don't want to be a maid there at all. Another more well-known story of suicide was that of Grace Margot. Grace jumped from the ninth floor of the hotel in 1937. Nail the windows shut. <laughs> well, she landed awkwardly in hotel wiring, so I guess big the big cable wiring below. So right. she didn't even die right away. She actually got taken uh, to the hospital. God. And she succumbed to her injuries and died in her hospital bed, so talk about a really miserable way to go. Police were not really able to prove if her death was accidental or if she was maybe coerced into jumping because she was unconscious until she died, so they were never able to question her. Kind of messed up. Very messed up. Yet another tragic tale of a good person gone too soon is that of 35-year-old fireman and Marine Roy Thompson. And the more research I did on this gentleman, he seemed like he was actually a really respected and revered guy in the community. Mm -hmm. Um, Everybody liked him. Everybody thought he was a really good person. Oh, he's got secrets. Yeah, he does, because he decided one day to jump from the roof of the Cecil. The roof. Well, you know, at least he didn't pick a window like everybody else. <laughs> I guess. He gets kudos for being original. Wait, go ahead and read this next sentence, because I don't understand it. <laughs> well, he landed on a skylight of a neighboring building and landed on a skylight that you would think, you know, his body would be discovered but it wasn't retrieved for several days because no one really knew what was blocking the skylight. You'd think, think it was just cloudy die. out. I guess just in that That's one little. Space. Well, and I've you know, and I've had skylights. I had a house with skylights, and you know, they. You, they first of all, those things leak, and they're not that. You know, I can't. How did he not go through it? It's Could not like it was made of plexiglass. Just someone like quaintly walking just, through the hell. I bet it one. stunk too. That's and all of a sudden, sad. they get smacked in the but face. But nobody with knows guts. why he just. No. Just he just ended it. I don't know. Yeah, this place is a portal to hell. It is. Um, So others also took their lives with poison, like Dorothy Seeger and Erwin Neblett. The two did not know each other and poisoned themselves in different rooms of that hotel. Jesus. Yeah. Louises. (laughs) Um, You're not going to like this story because I didn't like this story coming up. It hit me. Just just warning you. It really bothered me. Um, Perhaps one of the most barbaric and disturbing ones as the tale of twisted gruesomeness of 19-year-old Dorothy Purcell. Dorothy and her boyfriend checked into the Cecil one afternoon because the boyfriend was in town for business. Get this, Brandy. He was a shoe salesman. So he was Al Bundy. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) It makes you wonder why he felt the need to go travel downtown to sell some shoes, whatever. Whatever. Um, As the couple were napping, Dorothy woke up with excruciating stomach pain and went to use her hotel bathroom. She still did not wake up her boyfriend. Assuming that she was sick, she sat down and began to feel an enormous amount of pressure. Before she knew it, she had given birth to a small baby boy. Dorothy was scared, and she had not known she was pregnant. Well, I don't know how that works, but I, go ahead. I, you know, I watch that show sometimes on TLC. I do not, because I don't understand it. I don't, I don't get it either. <laughs> Without waking her boyfriend, Dorothy walked to the open hotel window and threw her newborn down to the street. It really, really bothered me reading about that. Yeah. Her story soon swept through neighborhoods of L.A., and she was brought into court to be tried for the murder of her newborn son. Yeah. Now get this part, Brandy. Dorothy claimed that she thought the baby to be dead after delivery and thought it was no crime to simply toss her infant's lifeless body out of the window and down to the street below. Well, sure. That (laughs) seems to be a a, a theme. 
it just, nowadays around here. It's it, crazy. I thought, well, and why, and even and even if he is dead, how is that okay? Like, take it to the hospital, take it somewhere, do whatever. She probably, you know, something. something. Like, I don't, whatever. I don't get I it. I think she just didn't want her, you know, her boyfriend to know. But if you're, you know, besides disposing of that poor child. You've got to wonder, you know, if she's obviously probably bleeding everywhere, all over the hotel bathroom. How well, would she sure. not know something happened? Because clearly <laughs> she's got some kind of problem. Oh, yeah. Um, appalled, the jury found Dorothy to be completely insane, and she yeah. was committed to an asylum. Jeez. Besides the morbid onslaught of multiple suicides, the Cecil was no stranger to murders and murderers alike. In June of 1964, the body of Goldie Osgood, known to locals as the Pigeon Woman. Why was she known as the Pigeon Woman? I'll get there. Okay. <laughs> we had a chicken lady in my hometown. She used to ride around town with chickens in her car. Did she raise the chickens for pets or was she? Yeah, they were her pets. They oh. were her babies. And she would walk, drive around town with them in her car. She was very smart. She had a PhD in like marine biology, which is so useful in Lebanon, Ohio. <laughs> and and she would, oh yeah, she was crazy. <laughs> But she would, well, and she's a whole other story into herself, but she rode around with chickens in her car and I don't feel like they and be, they were her babies. They'd be cuddly though, not like a cat or a dog. No, you know? dude, well, that would be the crazy part is her riding around chickens in her car. And then, <laughs> so she had, um, she lived with her dad. Well, her mm -hmm. dad died, but she didn't tell anybody. Don't tell me she became the crazy chicken lady and like had a thousand chickens like a crazy Oh yeah, she had a lady. bunch of chickens. No, oh yeah, she had a bunch of chickens and she lived in town. She lived in town and this house looked like the Adams Family House. But her dad <laughs> died. Her dad died and she never called anybody. So the body sat there. Ew. For I don't know how long. And they finally, somebody hadn't seen him in a while and they, had, cops had to go in and uh, it was a bad scene. But yeah, old girl had some chickens. Was he not eaten by the chickens? I... Dude, they I didn't don't. get give you those gory details. Yeah, I don't get those. I, you know, I chose to stop after he was there for a while because, you know, but Ugh. she was, you know, a bit of a hoarder. I mean, if you have chickens, uh, clearly you have. I yeah. mean, if you don't have a problem with chicken shit literally being yeah, all everywhere, over every inch in of her your car. space, like in her car, she would drive with chickens Ugh, in her car. And chicken poop. I don't know if any of you listeners um, have ever been to a farm recently, but or been raised around chickens, but chicken poop smells terrible. Well, and chickens are scary. Chickens are a little scary. You know, they, they're a little shifty. You don't, don't really know what they're well, thinking about you. they'll peck your eyes out. They'll peck your eyes out. No mercy. No mercy. So, um, so poor Goldie Osgood, the pigeon woman. I love her. <laughs> was found bloodied and broken by a hotel maid. <laughs> maids. <laughs> poor maids. They need to have like a maids association. Or like a, like a maids anonymous. <laughs> Goldie had been violently raped, beaten, and stabbed to death. The room was entirely covered in blood. Goldie was known as the Pigeon Woman because she was homeless and spent most of her days in a nearby park feeding and talking to pigeons. Not bothering anybody. Nope, just, just helping out the pigeons. Mm. Goldie would occasionally manage to scrape just enough money together to rent a room for a night or two at the Cecil. When she was found, she had no real possessions other than a brown sack filled with birdseed for her chicken her pigeon friends. <laughs> now I've got stuck on the chickens. Chickens. <laughs> That's sad. Yeah. She didn't bother nobody. No. And it just makes you wonder. And honestly, um, so fun fact, no one was ever convicted for her crime. Oh. They found a homeless man walking around um, with a bloodied t-shirt, but they, you know, they couldn't prove that he did anything. So Right. There's no DNA. He got off. Yeah. That's sad. It is sad. 
And that's besides the baby. That one also made me really sad. That's sad. Um, several serial killers also frequented the Cecil in the 1980s and 1990s. Richard Ramirez, infamously known as the Night Stalker. Creepy. Ugh. Have you ever heard about this guy? Oh, yeah. We did. <gasps> yeah. He just looks evil. I he mean, does, yes. He just really looks evil. Yeah, he was freaky. Well, he took up temporary residency while he was on a vicious killing spree. Ramirez would stalk the streets of the residential neighborhoods of L.A. He would break into houses, seeking out women to rape, torture, and kill. But get this. Some of his victims were also men and children. Oh, yeah. He didn't care. That's what, he, what, that's what made him so, so creepy Ugh, and evil. God. He was out for blood and did not discriminate against anyone becoming one of his next victims. Everyone was potential prey. He continued to strike fear in the hearts of L.A. citizens who knew of his crimes and debauchery. And it is believed that Ramirez had 25 victims, 13 of which he murdered. Police speculated he had more victims, but they could not turn over enough evidence to prove it. And that's got to kill you if you're a really good police officer or detective, you know. Yeah, I think he's in jail for life anyway, but... I think he's... he's I believe he's dead now. Well, he's... But he got married in there. Yeah. There's, that's crazy. Have you heard of those fan clubs? Oh, Yes. Well, all of these women will just, you know, kind of flood in and write love letters and steamy stuff to serial killers, you know, that have murdered children and husbands and wives and, you know. Oh, I know. Killed defenseless animals. But I guess, you know, nothing gets you hotter than that. Well, and, you know, you have those women that think that they can fix all these damaged men and oh, nothing, yeah. you know, who's or more they've damaged, damaged than a... themselves. Oh, gosh, you know, yeah. something. Oh, yeah. A few years later, Austrian native Johann Unterweger began staying at the Cecil. Unterweger had killed several prostitutes in Austria and the modern-day Czech Republic. Before he could be apprehended in Europe, he fled to America. And here's a fun fact. No, fun fact. Ironically, Unterweger was recruited to write for a local L.A. crime magazine. Well, you know, who better? <laughs> Someone with experience. Right. <laughs> While he wrote for the magazine, he would stay at the Cecil and continue to murder prostitutes in his downtime. Gotta, sure. gotta have a hobby. Hobbies? <laughs> God. Unterweger loved the murderous methods of Richard Ramirez, and it was thought by authorities that Unterweger stayed at the Cecil as a sick nod to his wicked hero. Eventually, though, Unterweger was extradited back to Austria two years later to stand trial for 11 murders. Jeez. Although the evidence was mounted against him and justice seemed as though it was about to be served, Unterweger would never be forced to live out a sentencing. You know why? Because the bastard took his own life in 1994. Yeah, easy way. Uh, easy way, yeah, for him. Well, I'm surprised, I'm sure they would have surprised fried him. he didn't do it at the Cecil. Right? <laughs> kind of makes you wonder. Um, as the hotel began to fall into disrepair from lack of maintenance, it fell under new management in 2011. So its name that was shrouded in darkness and decay, the owners decided, you know, we don't need a name like that anymore. We need to rebrand it. Sure. So the Cecil soon became Stay on Main, which, you know, kind of sounds ritzy. Sure. I would stay at some place called Stay on Main if I didn't do any research and realize it was a murder hotel. Sure. <laughs> the landmark sign that read the Cecil Hotel was changed to show the new name, but the owners could not hide its twisted history from the world, especially not with the upcoming tragic events that would leave an e even deeper scar. Seriously, more. Tra tear this place to the ground. <laughs> Mystery and unbridled tragedy continued to fester in the skies above the Cecil like a dense, haunting fog. That's painting a picture. 
Beauty. <laughs> the most unsettling tale of death to date is that of 21-year-old Canadian college student Elisa Lamb. In January of 2013, Elisa decided she would take a short trip to California. She planned to visit the cities of San Diego, L.A., and Santa Cruz. While traveling, she would go on to document her experiences. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Via social media. She was extremely active on her Tumblr account. Though Elisa did suffer from bipolar disorder, her friends and family still described her as outgoing, lively, and friendly. She was very close to her family and would always make sure to call them each day of her travels to check in. Her family stated later that Elisa was a good daughter. So first off, if you had a young son or daughter, you know, a college student that had bipolar disorder or any form of depression, would you just willy-nilly let them go to another country, let alone places like, you know, dangerous like L.A. by themselves? Let me tell you something. (laughs) Well, no, but so I have a, um, I have a cousin of mine that was, he had encephalitis when he was younger and he Mm -hmm. has no short term memory at all, at all. Like he doesn't (laughs) recognize faces. If you come up to him, nothing, nothing until you speak, like he'll recognize your voice. But okay. So anyway, they're, um, they're part of my family. That's, they're very, very Mormon. Mm -hmm. And so, um, as some of you may know or may not know, when you're Mormon and you reach 18 or whatever, you're supposed to go on a mission. Yes. And uh, so, you know, but Ryan, you know, again, he, you know, he has this thing where he can't remember anything. I mean, he has a hard time, um, you know, living on his own because he doesn't, you know, he has to write down where he lives. What he, yeah, I mean, just crazy stuff. That's got stuff. to be difficult. They let him go to California by himself on a mission. And like, you know, he had to take planes and they would do, I mean, it what was part of California did he go to? Um, it wasn't LA. I, I oh, might've been probably like, a good thing. Cause he would right. have ended up at the Cecil. The well, way this place goes, uh, you know, but to me, yeah, that kind of stuff. I'm like, why would you let him? I mean, he tried I'm all the way across the country. Now, of course he's back now. He's a little bit older and he's back, but that I'm was a struggle because he would, yeah, well, <laughs> he, they had to write down, I mean, they have to write down like his prom, his prom dates name. For him, he had oh, to. I mean, he's got to have a garment. He has to have a notebook everywhere he goes. Oh, he's super smart though. It's it's you know, don't feel that bad for him. He's baller. <laughs> don't he's a math. He's okay. a mathematician. <laughs> he's baller. Oh, that's but awesome. um, yeah. So no, I wouldn't let my daughter do it. But you know, my mom wouldn't let me do that. Okay, so when I was nineteen, I wanted to just go to Nashville with some of my girlfriends. Mm-hmm. We weren't going to drink or anything. Obviously, we were underage, but we wanted to go and see the Grand Old Opry. Right, right, right. wink, wink. Right. So um, we just wanted to go, and she said no, and it was only a four and a half hour drive. And my mom said, "No way in hell." And I was nineteen, so yeah. I can't imagine this happening. Well, she's twenty one. She may not live with her parents. She might just, yeah, you know, maybe one of those deals where she's but like, to hey, another I'm going. country. She her was parents Canadian. have no say. Ah, true. So after hitting San Diego, she ventured to L.A., where she then checked into the Cecil Hotel because she clearly did not do her homework on where to stay. (laughs) She did not check TripAdvisor or Yelp. Elisa would never get to travel to Santa Cruz a few days later. In fact, she would never leave L.A. alive. 
On what was meant to be her last day at the Cecil, she never showed up to the front lobby to check out. Her parents never received an awaited call from her. By the next day, her family was in a panic because this wasn't like Elisa. Uh, they contacted the LAPD, and a search for her was launched. Which, mind you, you know, back in, if this was the 80s or the 70s, they would have just assumed that she ran away. And, right. You know, because cops would never really assume right. something bad happened. Uh, Elisa's room was inspected, and only a few items seemed to be missing, including her cell phone. The hotel staff was very cooperative in aiding police with whatever they needed in the search. Police begged for anyone with information on Elisa's disappearance to come forward. A week went by and still nothing. Almost three weeks later, on February 16th, police examined and released CCTV footage of Lisa Lamb on an elevator the night before her mysterious disappearance. This is where things get really creepy. I remember this. The footage revealed an erratically behaved Elisa. She could be seen crouching down in the elevator waiting for the doors to close. The doors would not close. Elisa then peeked her head out of the doors, looked around, and then retreated back inside the elevator. She seemed to be frightened. She began pushing buttons, but the door still didn't close. Elisa then hides in the corner of the elevator, and her body can be seen pressed firmly against the corner of the elevator. She seemed to be trying to hide from some unseen force. A few seconds later, she walked out of the elevator and into the hallway. She can barely be seen talking to someone or something just out of sight of the camera. She waved her hands around oddly as if trying to signal someone. Then Elisa disappeared from the view of the camera. Uh, even more odd, the CCTV footage seems to be missing a few seconds of video. So I've seen this. It's on YouTube. Ugh. And the girl is clearly in a panic. Um, there's nobody. You can't see anybody outside the doors. Um, but she's clearly, she's scared of something. She's panicked about something. Um, so, you know, who or what or whatever, what freaked her out? Well, what's really creepy, I mean, there's all kinds of theories, and we'll get to that later on. But um, what's really odd is that the doors will not close. Right. They will not close. And, I mean, I've heard of different hauntings, and I've heard that, you know, electrical equipment or elevators and things like that, mm -hmm. they will not work properly when something's around. And the fact that you can't see anybody, and she is so scared, you know, yeah. terrified, and the doors won't close. It, I just, oh, it gives me cold chills now just thinking about it. Well, and then, you know, you and you also have to wonder, what's in those few seconds of video? Like, did it... You know, is it right. just a a glitch? Is it just, you know, what happened yeah. to those few seconds? And are those few seconds, you know, pertinent to anything? Are exactly. Those few, you know, I mean, well, if you're, if, ta you're not talking about a minute. You're talking right. about 10 seconds. If if that. I yeah. Think, I think it was like point some odds. I don't know. It was some ridiculous number. Well, and the thing that, that makes you wonder also is if in different hauntings they say electrical equipment mm -hmm. does mess up so if the doors weren't closing because of some haunting let's just you know say for a second what if it affected the camera too right you know it makes you wonder right but yeah but it didn't affect you know the lights you can see i mean it, the footage is pretty pretty clear um and like i said you can see it on youtube right um i would urge everybody to check that out if you're ready to um you know start yeah, investigating it's <laughs> All right, so several days passed before the release of the mysterious footage. Uh, hotel guests began experiencing low water pressure mm -hmm. and called the front desk to complain. 
Other guests also began to, uh, began to complain <laughs> of a foul taste and odor when they would use the water from the faucets in their rooms. You don't drink from a hotel faucet. No. And first of all, um, I don't know what they're thinking, but if there was a, a funny smell coming from it, I wouldn't even bathe in it. I yeah, wouldn't even no, suck it weird, up and bathe in it. No. That's something's wrong. Uh, the hotel staff went to the roof of the hotel to investigate the water tanks. To their shock and horror, their eyes fell upon the decomposing body of Elisa floating in the middle of their water tank. Her clothes and a few other small belongings were found there as well. All of her possessions are now accounted for except for her cell phone. That damn phone. <laughs> I know. Sprouted legs. Right. Ran away. Um, an autopsy was performed on the body, and the coroner didn't find any traces of drugs or alcohol in her system. Due to the lack, due to the lack of evidence of a homicide or suicide, Elise's death was ruled as an accidental drowning. And I guess if you have nothing else... But I don't see how it would be accidental. I mean, she had to get up in the water tank. Like, you're not accidentally. Accidental you drowning. You fall she in a water tank. She went for a midnight swim. Yeah. Again. Yeah. yeah. Um, even more baffling. Everybody's baffled. Uh, but even more baffling was that the water tank door is very, very heavy. And this mm -hmm. is a small little girl. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's not, she's not very big at no, all. No. Um, and it would be impossible, it, you know. For such a small woman to open the tank by herself, let alone climb in and close the lid behind her. Right. Uh, also, the hotel staff confirmed that there was always an alarm set to go off if anyone was to open the door to the roof. And that door always remained locked. Because, you know, they don't want people jumping off of it. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, those who had a key ended up having a clean alibi for the night of Elise's disappearance. Not to mention there were still a few seconds of CCTV footage from the elevator that was missing. Only, it looks like one hotel staff member would have access to erase the footage. Even more concerning, Elise's Tumblr account remained yes. active and continued to share posts for over six months past her death. Many people, well, yeah, surprised. They were perplexed and startled by this. Well, <laughs> no yes. way. No one could track down who was running her account after her death. Uh, unfortunately, Elise's death would leave everyone with more questions than answers so how do you I, not triangulate that phone they do it on csi all the time well what kills me is this is only in 2013 right this it's was not long that ago. long ago right and what kills me if, if if her account continued to actually make posts that shared articles or something like that i understand because i guess there is a format on so you know certain social media accounts you can you know make it I guess there's a setting maybe with Tumblr. I'm, I don't have right. a Tumblr, so forgive me if I'm I getting this either. wrong. But I've heard I've heard other theories saying that you can actually program your account to share certain things at certain times. So maybe she had done that. It seems odd because she would be on there every day posting anyway. Right. So why would she set up future posts? But there, is, you know, some skeptics out there are saying that oh, she could have just programmed her account well, to do this. But again, you know, I watch. I watch Law and Order. I see what happens. Why mm -hmm. don't they triangulate? Where's the Where's the signal coming from? Where it? You know that whatever. The bat um, signal. Exactly. <laughs> we need a bat signal for this. This totally poor hotel. Bat signal on this thing. <laughs> uh, there are several internet theories of what happened to Elisa. Uh, the most popular one is that she was murdered by a hotel staff member. Mm -hmm. Considering all the odd circumstances, that certainly seems to to be the most believable possibility. Uh, since the autopsy report showed absolutely no drugs or medications in her system, some suspect that Elisa stopped taking her bipolar medication. Yeah. Yeah. And the disorder took over her mind and pushed her to commit suicide. 
Um, some more dramatic theories are that Lisa was killed off by the uh, government. <laughs> of course. In a bizarre experiment. And that perhaps Lisa, Elisa was driven mad by the angry spirits that haunted the hotel. Uh, many believe all of the souls who died there led her to the water tank without being detected and aided in her death. One must wonder if there were certainly darker forces at work. It just makes you wonder. I mean, if you hear like things like poltergeist activity where they can like, you know, pick up your keys one day and make them disappear and then bring them back again. You know, you just hear all these crazy stories. It makes you wonder, could they have unlocked the door, made the alarm not sound, you know, something creepy. Here's the thing, though. You know, even in 2013, you still had Yelp. You still had all these other things. Oh, yeah. And obviously she was no stranger to using the Internet. Yeah. So why? Why would you why would you stay there? Like, I mean, because there's no I understand that it's cheap. I get I mean, I get all that. And, you know, so what they changed the name. I mean, you can still. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just I don't I I don't care how cheap it was. I would not stay at some place like that because it would freak me out. Well, even when you look up um, the new name on the Internet, stay on Maine. Everything for the Cecil pulls up. So there is no way, yeah. no way of getting around. And literally, if you look, the first few hits that you get on the first page of Bing or Google are all about the hauntings and the murderers that yeah. you know, stayed there. See, I'm out. Yep. Uh, never mind the fact that, you know, it's none, there's nothing that indicates that she was necessarily into, um, you know, looking, staying at haunted places and all that kind of stuff. So yep. old girl just ended up here just, I mean, it looks like just. By not doing her research, it's yeah, awful. It's sad. Um, hotel guests that have checked into the Cecil and lived to tell the tale have shared mysterious accounts of ghostly interactions. Some guests have heard disembodied voices from inside, from inside the walls of the hotel. Nope, I'm out. Exactly. <laughs> uh, others have even witnessed full-bodied apparitions. A few photos of this phenomenon are floating around the depths of the internet. One such photo reveals a ghostly man perched chillingly uh, on the ledge of one of the hotel's windows, because of course he is. <laughs> it looks as if the apparition was about to jump. Could this be the ghost of a depressed man who took his life years ago by leaping from an open window? Is this a restless spirit being forced to relive moments from their gruesome death over and over again? And you've heard about all the different, you know, intelligent hauntings or, yeah. you know, poor people that are stuck in a time loop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Despite many guests reporting that the hotel has a thick and sickening cloud of dark energy enveloping each room and corridor, uh, the hotel was nominated to become a historic monument in early 2017. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Stay on Main was recently officially declared a historical cultural monument by the L.A. Cultural Heritage Commission. Say that five times fast. Yeah. The (laughs) hotel has since fallen under new management again. And has been temporarily closed while it undergoes a million dollar renovation. A million dollars is not going to clean that mess off. You got to run some sage through there. I should find the little guy in the cape that wanted to clean my aura at the psychic fair. Find him to go clean this running sage. They should just burn sage and put a fan right next to like the air conditioning unit that sends it up through all the you know (laughs) something. Get a priest in there. Whatever it takes. Yeah. Uh, This new information is making people wonder if the construction will awaken any more angry and distraught spirits. You hear things about that all the time when there's hauntings. People start messing with crap and oh I know the the spirits like like hey. There used to be a wall here. This is yeah. not cool. Put the wall back. Yeah, they do not like that. Mm-mm. Um, 
and I watch the fun fact. <laughs> fun fact. Uh, the popular yet risky show American Horror Story. Yes, I love that show. Yes, based its fifth season around the lore surrounding the Cecil. The series creator Ryan Murphy confessed in an interview that the dark history and characters that surrounded the Cecil inspired him to create the fifth season. And it had Lady Gaga, and it was spectacular. It was really good. I think it was called the Hotel Cortez, uh-huh. wasn't it? And that, yeah. Yep. As many eager viewers may know, the season was appropriately named American Horror Story Hotel. So why were numerous tortured souls driven to check into the Cecil and commit suicide? What inspired the likes of Richard Ramirez and uh, Johan, what is it, Unterweger? Unterweger. Unterweger. <laughs> uh, to take up residence there as they terrorized the streets of L.A.? Who or what killed Elisa Lamb? These are the mysteries that forever that will forever haunt the hotel, the halls of the nightmarish Cecil Hotel. Sweet dreams and sleep tight. Don't let the ghosties bite. <laughs> yeah, I remember that American Horror Story. That was very, it was good. It was a good American was Horror good. Story. Um, and he does that a lot. Um, not to, this is kind of on topic, but not. But he does that a lot with a lot of his um with all those American horror stories, they're based yes. on something. They're based on which is fascinating, right? They're based on Roanoke. They're mm-hmm. based on you know the Hotel Cortez. Um, there is a house. The first season was about a haunted house, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's all those, it's all these different things. And he does he does a nice job with those with the characters and just making things. But um, but yeah, I would think nowadays if mm-hmm. anybody stays at that hotel, you know what? That's on you, right? That's on you. We oh, have yeah. enough technology that you can look that up. I always check if I stay at a quality and I want to make sure nobody's been killed there. Right. If I, you I know. mean, if it's like a one-off, if, if someone has committed suicide there and I, I read, you know, somewhere, oh, so-and-so committed suicide here. If it was the only one and it happened a long time ago, if I had no other options, I probably wouldn't mind staying there. But the fact that this has been going on since the 1930s, that people sure. just offing themselves. And it makes you wonder, why are so many people wanting to commit suicide there? I don't know. And you know what? The thing, I hope whoever renovates it puts in, like, there's no window windows that open there right. cannot be and no access to the roof at all and if anyone's listening please don't commit suicide please talk to somebody or get help please don't jump out of a window yeah and don't stay at the hotel cecil, cecil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just, just don't good idea just don't just drive by slow do a drive-by on it and don't stop because yes. you know it's just it's not it's not worth the risk so no but anyway so any, do you have any final thoughts, Rachel, on this on this lovely piece of architecture? It makes me like you know feel that I'm lucky to live in Cincinnati. Cincinnati's got some messed up stuff too. It does, which we'll get into that messed until up. later episodes. Dun dun dun. Nice. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, so that was the Hotel Cecil, creepy place. Don't stay there. Drive by slowly. <laughs> if, yeah, if I can offer you any life tips, that would be it. Make sure you have a crucifix in your car and do the sign of the cross and throw blessed oils all over your car as you drive by. Yeah, throw some sage (laughs) at it, do whatever. Sage bombs. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) So um, that uh, concludes episode one of Haunted Visions. We appreciate you listening. Uh, You know, go, you can find us uh, on iTunes and soon we'll have a Facebook page and we're doing a couple other things, but... um, Go ahead and hit the like or, or subscribe button, excuse me, so that other people can find us and, and share our link. We'd really appreciate it. And leave us a review and let us know, you know, how we're doing. Um, and, you know, that's all. That's all that I've got for today. You got anything else, Rachel? 
no, take care, everybody, and uh, stay away from haunted places. <laughs> exactly. Thank you very much, everybody. Bye-bye. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.